0: to start this morning by reading the verses that we closed with last week at the benediction and they're found in matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30 and this is jesus speaking and he says this come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle in heart and you will find and i love this phrase you will find rest." for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so the question this morning is this is your soul experiencing rest is it refreshed and calm and peaceful and serene or is it harried and overwhelmed and panicked and chaotic and restless and maybe even distracted which way is it Maybe you've got too much to do. Maybe you've got too many people telling you how to do it. Maybe you've got too many obstacles in your way. Maybe you don't have enough time to get everything done anyhow. Maybe you don't have enough energy to even make a dent on the to-do list. And maybe if you're honest, you're about at a breaking point right now. And as you come in this morning, you're hoping for just a little bit of rest. But here's how it works. The demands of life often exceed our resources. And they deplete our reserves. And so when things speed up and when things amp up, instead of finding rest, we find the opposite, right? The idea of calmness or serenity, that's kind of a joke, isn't it? Like, how would you ever experience that? We've been asking this question every week. How is it with your soul today? How is it with your soul is it restful? Or maybe not. But if it's maybe not, I've got good news because we just read it. Jesus says, hey, I can help you with that. You just need to come to me. That's an invitation that Jesus gave to the crowd in general, not to anybody in specific. And it's an invitation that's still good for us today. He says, come to me. And he invites all of you and me us He invites the weary and the burdened down, or we could say it, the ones who are weighed down. You ever notice how life has a tendency to weigh you down? All of the demands physically can weigh you down, or the things that are happening in your life emotionally can weigh you down, or something that you're dealing with relationally, spiritually. These are all soul-level parts of us, and they have a tendency to weigh us down with their load of responsibilities and obligations and expectations. And it would be nice, wouldn't it, if we could just get rid of them? To say, you know what, I'm just going to dump these expectations, or I'm just going to walk away from these responsibilities, and I'm going to let somebody else have these obligations over here. But we can't. We're stuck with them. So what do we do? Well... We can listen to what Jesus has to say. He says, I want your souls to find rest. I want you to experience, and here's a word for you, lightness. Not like lightness in like how bright it is, but lightness in how little it weighs. Is your soul experiencing any lightness today, like happiness or joy or exuberance or delight or fun or anticipation or, or peacefulness or hopefulness? or carefreeness, if that's a word, because that's what he's offering. And he says, this is how it works. Come to me, learn from me, and take on my yoke. And so these are what we're going to talk about this morning. But we're going to do it in reverse order, if that's okay. But before we do that, I just want to have a quick review of what we've talked about so far. We've been talking about this idea of soul care. Most of us aren't very in tune with what's going on inside us. The demands of life and the pace of life and the craziness of life, we just go, 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 and we take very little time to stop and reflect and to say, what's going on inside of me? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? But we need to do that because we have feelings and emotions, and they often reflect the state of our soul's. And if we will start to work on the inside of us, we can start to experience some healthy practices. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the idea of spiritual hydration, that we need to spend time with God, not to do God a favor, or not because it's our duty and we can check it off the list, but because it's God's opportunity to pour into us. And our souls are never going to be healthy unless we give God that opportunity to pour into us. Last week, we talked about a simple idea, In the Bible, it's called Sabbath, but we could just call it rest. It's the same word. But the idea that we need to find rhythms of rest, that we were made to rest. And if we refuse to rest, we actually pay the price for that physically. But here's a key idea that we keep coming back to, is if we don't have enough reserves physically, we have to borrow from somewhere else. And sometimes that's from our emotions, and sometimes that's from our relationships, and sometimes that's from our spiritual life. But we need just physical rest sometimes, and God tells us that. And if your soul's not healthy today, it may be just something as simple as getting more rest. Now, that sounds obvious and that sounds easy, it's just that we don't do very well with it, do we? And when we don't, we leave our souls damaged. And we leave them in a dangerous condition. But I come back to what Jesus says, hey, I don't want you to be there. I want you to find soul rest. So let's look at these three instructions, and we're starting with the last one first here. To take on his yoke. What exactly does that mean? This was Jesus referring to the agricultural world in in which he lived. The farms of the day would be plowed by the oxen, and you put two oxen and a pair, a team of oxen, and across their backs you would put a, a, a wooden piece. That was the framework that would keep the, the oxen in, in uh, sync with each other. They would let the driver of the plow keep the oxen moving forward. But what it actually was, it was, it was the load that the oxen pulled. And all of the weight of the plow or all the weight of going through the field there, he would feel that across his shoulders with that bar that was extended there. And so it was representative and really figurative of Jesus. What he's talking about is the load that you bear or what you're being asked to pull in life. And here's the truth of the matter. We are weighed down by the demands and the expectations of life. It's the load of life that we pull, and we all have a load, because we all have demands, and we all have expectations in our lives, it's the performance treadmill that we live in, we have to make deadlines, we have to complete projects, we have to pay bills, we have to get to the meeting, we have to, and we have all of these demands and these expectations that are put on us, But the more that they're put on us, the heavier that pull gets, and that heavier that load becomes. And then we add something to that load, too. Because it's not just what we're expected or expecting ourselves to get done, it's what everybody else thinks, too. And we live with the idea that we have to live up to our own expectations we also have to live up to the expectations of the boss or we have to live up to the expectations of the mate or you may have to end up uh, live up to the expectations of your kids or maybe you have to live up to the expectations of your parents and all of these people that either we literally are trying to live up their expectations or sometimes it's even subconsciously like I have to please this person. All of that adds to the weight. And all of that leads to a soul that feels heavy and weighed down. And Jesus says it doesn't have to be this way. He said, in contrast, my weight is easy. Or my expectations and my requirements are light. And here's why. Because Jesus knew something, and we can learn from this. Jesus knew that he was living by a different standard. I live by the standard too many times of having to check off all of my boxes so that I can feel good about myself or so that my mate will be okay with me or so that my boss will be okay with me or so that society won't look down on me or the people who are looking at my Facebook page won't think ill of me. And I live my life trying to please all kinds of people. Not Jesus. He lived his life trying to please one person, God the Father. And it didn't really matter to him if he was pleasing this person or this person or this person or this person. person. All that really mattered to him was, was he pleasing his heavenly Father? He found his approval and he found his worth in the Father. And because of that, he was able to focus his mission on not what everybody else wanted him to do, but what did God want him to do? And I start here and I start backwards because everything we're going to talk about this morning rests on this premise. You don't have to please everybody. That creates weight. You simply need to please God. That creates lightness. Now if we go on and back up another step here though, Jesus said this, learn from me. I am the example of a light soul. I am the example of somebody who doesn't bear all this weight. And so what I want to encourage us to do is to look at three practices we see from the life of Christ where we can learn from Him today. And if we would take these practices and put them into practice in our lives, it would probably help us get some weight off our souls. And they're just things that we can observe as Jesus walked through life. And they're things that seem in some ways so simple. And yet... If we look at our culture, they're very, very contrary to the way that we typically live. And so as we look at these practices, what I want to do is first of all say, here's what's causing this condition. And then I want to look at a soul practice that Jesus actually um, exampled for us and see if it can be helpful to us. Now maybe all of these will resonate, maybe only one of them will. Don't get too worried about how much you get here. I just want to encourage you to find one thing. So you know what, if I could grab onto that this week, that could really, really take some load off of me. The first thing here is the pace of life. We talked about this last Sunday, how life moves along at such a crazy speed. And we talked about the need to find the rhythms of rest, and that's really important. And by the way, if you missed the last couple of weeks, their their podcasts are online um, at our website. I think they're also on iTunes, so you can download them if you want to get caught up on this. We talked about the idea of finding a rhythm of rest last week, but I want to add something else this week. It's this idea of slowing down. You ever look at Christ in in the Gospels? Can you think of any stories where he was in a hurry? In in fact, sometimes I think he drove people crazy because he wasn't. You remember when they brought the little children to him and the disciples, no, 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 he doesn't have time for that? What did Jesus say? Oh, I had time for this. Bring him here. Uh, Jairus in Matthew chapter 9 had a, a daughter who was on her deathbed and he comes and he calls Jesus and says, come with me. And Jesus starts with him. And on the way, a woman touches him who, who's had a blood disorder. And instead of saying, i got to keep going because this girl's dying, he says, hey, what's your problem? Here, let's let's deal with that now. He never seems to be in a hurry. In John chapter 4, he meets the woman at the well. And after he talks to her, we're told that he stayed in her town for two more days. John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. Jesus waits to go there. How about Zacchaeus? Jesus is on his way to Jericho, and he says, what? Get out of that tree. I'm going and hanging out at your house today. And as we look at the Gospels, we never see Jesus rushed. He's never threatened by interruptions. He's never seemingly driven by the obligations of his Google Calendar. He's just taking life as it comes rather than rushing to meet it. And that's such a contrast to us, isn't it? We are in such a hurry. We try to live at warp speed. And for some reason we think it's like trophy worthy if we can keep, you know, a zillion plates spinning. Or we can get to the end of the day still standing somehow. And we love to make to-do lists and we love to get all these things done. And why because we 're trying to live up to these expectations, but maybe if we could let go of those, we could let go of the rush here's the truth, right? When we rush, we really don't get as much done as we think we do, or if we do get it done, we don't get it done at a quality that really is worthwhile, and so I mean, we can take the you know put the little check mark there. But it doesn't really help us that much. And our increased activity doesn't need necessarily lead to increased accomplishment. I like what Ann Voskamp says. She says this, Being in a hurry, getting to the next thing without fully entering the thing in front of me, I cannot think of a single advantage I've ever gained from being in a hurry. But a thousand broken and missed things, tens of thousands, lie in the wake of all the rushing. Through all the haste, I thought I was making up time. It turns out I was throwing it away. We blow past some of the best moments of life when we're in a hurry. And you think about that sometimes as, you know, parents and you have young kids and whatever, you're trying to rush them to the next thing and they keep tugging on you, dad, dad, dad. I don't know, not now, not now, we don't have time. And then we get to, you know, where I'm looking back and I'm like, I wish I had a little kid pulling on that coat again, Right. And how many moments do we miss because we're just going too fast and what happens is we redline our souls. Do you think about this? God made souls to live in a garden, not on a racetrack. But our lives get amped up and ramped up and revved up. And the RPMs just keep going, going, going faster and faster and faster on the outside. And instead of slowing it down on the outside, what do we do? We speed it up on the inside. And we end up with souls that are exhausted and weighed down. The solution is what? It's the soul practice of slowing John Hortberg, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, talks about interviewing his spiritual mentor, Dallas Willard, and saying, Dallas, give me one piece of advice that will impact my life in the most profound way. If you just could tell me one thing, what would it be? Dallas Willard paused and he said this, Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life that means we need to stop trying to do so much. Or maybe we need to stop trying to do all these things that we think are so important and maybe they're really not that important. Maybe they're just urgent. And sometimes urgent isn't important. You can look back at your last week. What did you get done that was really important? Maybe we need to stop trying to live up to all these expectations and stop worrying so much about disappointing people. And maybe we need to figure out who we need to please the most. Maybe on a practical level, we just need to get organized. Sometimes we're in such a hurry because we haven't stopped the plan. And if we stop the plan, we get a lot more done. Maybe we need to refuse to live in crisis mode. Or maybe we just need to reduce the RPMs. I notice this sometimes. I'll get done with work, and I'll hop in the car, and I'm going to drive home, and it's a seven-minute drive. And when I get home, I'll talk to Kelly some, and we're not going to eat right away, so I mean, there's not a lot going on. There's nothing I have to get home for. But if somebody in that lane in front of me isn't going the speed they should be going, and if, if I get to the light and it's red and somebody could be turning right on red and they're not turning right on red, I'm going nowhere except home in no hurry but we get living at that pace and maybe we need to slow down a little bit. Maybe we just need to chew our food a little bit longer, right? Or drive a little slower or walk a little slower. Pace is a habit and maybe we need to address that issue in our life. There's a lot of rewards that we do. See, an unhurried life allows for the unexpected. Some of the best things of life happen in the margins. But when we're rushing... We eliminate those margins. An unhurried life finds more joy in the journey itself. You can actually look out the window and say, Oh, that's pretty. An unhurried life contributes to rather than draws from the reservoir of your soul. It helps you get the important things done. It promotes meaningful relationships, even in your own house. And an unhurried life is going to feel lighter. Or there's a second cause of soul weight. And that is the noise of life. And this is an interesting dynamic, I think, in Jesus' ministry. Every time you open the Gospels, it seems like a crowd's gathering. And the crowd gets there, and Jesus has to do these miracles, and he's going through all these teachings, whatever. And then he finally sends the crowd home and says, Okay, I'm getting out of here, and I'm going to go find a quiet place myself. Why? Because crowds come with noise, and so does life. Think about the sirens, iPods, crying babies, cell phones, arguing kids, telemarketers, the washing machine, talk radio, the lawnmower of the neighbor next door. Man, it was mine loud, okay? Traffic, trains, all of these things just bring actual, literal noise into our lives. And that noise starts to affect us. And one of the reasons that we can feel beat down and frazzled It's because we can't escape this constant noise. It confuses our thinking. It creates distraction. You ever go to the library? What are they always telling you? Shh, Quiet. Except when I go to the library, the people working at the library are talking so loud. I'm like, how does anybody concentrate here? But noise distracts us. Noise confuses our thinking. Noise actually compromises other systems. It causes fatigue. It wears down our resistance. Think about this. The begging child in the grocery store, after a while, noise wins, right? Okay, you can have that candy bar. Just be quiet, please. But noise in life has that same effect on us, and it cancels out the quietness of our soul. This is kind of interesting. Um, back 1988, taking you back a while ago, uh, Manuel Noriega was the dictator of uh, Nicaragua, and he there they was a coup to overthrow him, and he had taken um, uh, asylum in the in the like a convent or monastery uh, of the the what is it the, the chapel of the Holy See, and because he was in the the walls of this convent or, or monastery type setup. the the soldiers couldn't get any closer and wouldn't violate that. So you know how they got him? They set up a sound system surrounding the whole property and they took the the music and they played it as loud as they could and it actually drove him out of the monastery because he couldn't handle the noise. Maybe we have an enemy that's doing the same thing to us. He puts us in a world and then he fills that world with noise and that noise starts to affect our soul. And then we're so crazy that when it's silent, we're so unused to it, we start filling the noise ourselves. (gasps) It's too quiet in here, I need to turn on the TV. And noise becomes an issue with our soul. There's also noise, you could say, that's, you know, the messaging in the world that we live in of all the things that are important, of all the things that we're supposed to pursue, of all the things that are going to make us feel better. And noise, 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 it tells us to hurry up, to do more, to try harder, to make it happen, to get busy. And the problem is I can't hear in noise. And I can't focus in noise. And I can't relax in noise. And I can't rest in noise. So what do we do? We need to follow Jesus' example here in this soul practice of silence silence. In solitude. Listen to this verse, Mark 6:45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Beseda while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Mark 6:30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. And get some rest. Our souls need silence and our souls need solitude. We need that place where we can take a deep breath. Or we can need that place where we can go. And just be okay with the quiet. Now, maybe that's something you experience. You get on the boat in the lake. Out in the middle of the lake, right? Or a walk in the woods. Or sometimes even a drive in the car where you turn your radio. off, And how soothing just silence can feel. We need quiet places and quiet spaces. And we need to practice silence. So maybe that involves finding a time and finding a place where you're going to be all alone. Maybe it's in the morning before everybody gets up or it's just you and the coffee. Or maybe it is going off and finding a quiet place. You know, I've had all kinds of trouble with hearing. So I go to uh, the audiologist and they put me in the little booth, right? The soundproof booth. Isn't that great? You get in there, it's like, wow, it's so quiet in here. And it's like restful, other than the fact they're going to tell me that I'm deaf, and that doesn't really rest my soul. But we need places like that, and maybe you can find that. Maybe you can say, I'm going to just step away. I'm going to go literally to a physical place where I can find some quiet and solitude. And maybe in that place you can even meet with God. Maybe you can just, on a very practical level, reduce the noise in your life. You know, like put the phone on silent, set it down, walk away from it, turn off the TV or just, you know, not go to the computer. Maybe you just need to unplug. We do this when we go on vacation sometimes. Like, okay, it's going to be a no technology weekend. You know, nobody's on their phones, nobody's on the computer, whatever else like that. And what happens? We find rest because we reduce the noise. Well, there's a third cause of soul weight to consider this morning, and that's actually the things of life. Our stuff, all the things we own, all the things that actually own us and all the pressure that it brings to maintain those things or to keep those things or to keep them kept up or to obtain them or whatever, it just crashes down on us. Many of you know that our daughter, Lindsay, studied abroad last year in Africa for four months in Uganda. In four months, she had a total of three hot showers. She did tell us that she had a new definition for what clean meant. For four months, she ate basically rice and beans. She said, with bugs. At first, they used to pick... She said, at first, we picked out the bugs, but then it just got to be too much of a hassle. Besides, they added crunch. I'm just quoting her. For four months, she lived with people who had far less than weed. In fact, when she got back, the next day, she was exhausted, but she's sitting on the couch in my living room, and she's like, Dad... Nobody in Uganda has a house like this. And she had lived with less for four months. But she said, you know what, Dad? Here's what's different. They have so much less than we do, and yet they have so much more joy than we do. And all these things of life that are so important, they just suck the joy right out of us, and they bring weight and damage to our souls. Think about Jesus. Where did he live? Oh, he didn't have a house. What kind of car, or horse, or donkey, whatever, did he drive? He walked. Um, what did a clo- what did his closet look like? Well, he basically had what he wore. Didn't need a closet. What did he own? He owned a robe, probably some sandals, maybe a bag with a few you know necessary things that he took with him. Me? The last time I moved, I couldn't get it all in a 27-foot U-Haul. Maybe there's something to be learned there. Maybe we need to look at this soul practice of simplicity. Jesus talked about in Matthew 6.25, he says, Stop worrying about all these things. Your Heavenly Father will take care of you. In Luke 10, he tells the story of Mary and Martha, and he says to Mary, Stop worrying about all these things, Mary. Because there are other things that are more important. And sometimes it's things and sometimes it's experiences. But we have this list of all these things that we need to have or that we need to do or that we need to go through an experience and we're not healthy as a result. We waste soul energy when we worry about things that don't really matter. And we waste soul energy when we worry about things that God said, I'll take care of that. I'll make sure you have what you need. And maybe we need to step back and simplify. Maybe we need to ask this question what can I eliminate or get rid of or reduce in my life? What could I sell? What could I give away? What could I do to make the load lighter? I want to finish up this morning with just a little bit of a demonstration. And I hate to disappoint you, but this is not a couch that's been put up here. But it's an example of our lives. And we have these different obligations, like I have to go to work, right? And that creates things. And they give me projects at work that I have to do, and that's another weight that gets added to my life. And then they put deadlines on those projects too, right? And then I've got to make sure that I get home because, you know, we've got to start making dinner. And, oh, by the way, I forgot that the kids have to get to practice tonight. <clears throat> And then I start to take the kids to practice, and they're arguing in the back seat, and the noise increases, and the weight increases. And so you know what? I yell at them, and they don't stop yelling at each other. So what do I do? I turn up the radio, and that helps, except what I'm listening to on the radio kind of makes me mad. So that noise just adds to the effect. And then my mother-in-law calls. And then we get there and discover that the kids forgot their socks or their shingars, so we got to run back home. And that's what we do to our souls. Here's the first thing that Jesus said, and it's where we're going to finish up. He says, Come to me. See, we can do these practices, and that would be helpful. We can practice silence and solitude. We can practice simplicity, right? We can practice slowing down. But ultimately, we are going to find soul rest in a person, not in a practice. And he invites you and me to that this morning. He doesn't want that to be your soul. He wants rest for you. And he says, hey, follow me, learn from me. You can look at my life, and if you will follow what I did in my life, it's going to bring you more rest. But ultimately, we need to find our rest in Him. And ultimately, we do that when we come to relationship with Him and where we make Him the person whose expectations we're trying to live up to. The invitation is... Jesus saying, I want you to have rest in your soul. But you need to come. You need to learn from me. and You need to follow what I do. Several ideas this morning. Could you grab just one of those and say, I'm going to practice that this week. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to give myself silence. I'm going to maybe simplify, cut something out of the schedule or cut something out of the house whatever it happens to be but let's find soul rest this week